Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. E-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. What did he do with Hurts, heaping, first down, and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. Thank you once again for tuning in to another Eagles Unfiltered episode powered by Believe Podcast Network and sponsored by BetOnline.ag, the best sports betting website around. If you need some extra cash for the holidays, use promo code Believe B-L-E-A-V. Take $50 out of your wallet, make it an investment. Go on to BetOnline.com. Use that promo code. They'll match your initial deposit up to 50%. So if you use 50 bucks, we're going to match up to 50%. Go on there, make some bets, get some holiday extra cash so you can buy these presents that you need to get this year. BetOnline.ag and BetterHelp.com as well as a sponsor. I know the holidays are tough if you're alone. If you're going through mental stuff, please take advantage of our promo link. BetterHelp.com slash Eagles, A-E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles, Eagles. For first month, 10% off, BetterHelp.com. Ed, I can't even get these ad reads out because I'm so excited over that game and I you rewatched it just before you started doing this episode. I rewatched it last night before going to bed. I'm still living off the high of that game. Wow. Yeah, amazing. Um, two weeks in a row. I mean, you know, I thought that win over the Chiefs was, you know, fantastic the way they came back. But Sunday night was even more impressive. I mean, because the Bills didn't go away. You know, they were scoring and the Eagles had to keep scoring to keep up with them. So just the way they did it. Um, you know, you can nitpick all you want about the first halves of these last two games, but somehow, some way, this team just has resiliency and they're able to find a way to win. And a lot of that is because of Jalen Hurts. Another part of it is because they just have really, really good, experienced players and Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham, you know, you know the names. I mean, these this experience. And these players having played in big games is a big part of this whole thing. I want to know what the crazy part is that everybody's overlooking, especially when you're not an Eagles fan and you're you're questioning how this team is lucky and everything like that. This team's winning with their best weapon, not even being utilized much. <laughs> AJ Brown has been, you know, almost non-existent in the last couple of games. I know he scored against the Bills, but still, it, this wasn't typical AJ Brown performances that we we've seen from him this season. Uh, he's finally starting to gain garner most of the attention. And, and unfortunately, when Goddard went out, this is something that, you know, you predicted yourself. And what we talked about on the show is, you know, A.J. Bounds will start hindering all this attention now. And it's going to start looking good for Devontae Smith, which it has against the Chiefs and it has against the Bills. Uh, yeah, other guys need to step up and get involved. And, you know, the Eagles really haven't had that yet. They are missing Goddard sorely. And, you know, so is A.J. And yet this team is still finding ways to win against the team that beat them in the Super Bowl last year, a team that they've never been able to beat with Andy Reid as head coach. And they also, you know, say what you will about Josh Allen and his turnovers, but he's an elite quarterback talent, and he's only gotten better since they made this offensive coordinator switch to Joe Brady. So they, they took down a really good team that had everything on the line that game to play for playoff seating. That was not an easy team to take down. I don't care what their record says. Six and six is a lie. That Bills team is a very good team. 
and they will be fighting for that playoff speed for the rest of the season. But that was a must-win game for them. So the Eagles really beat a team with three quarters of football because you have to count what they did in overtime that was fighting for their playoff lives with an elite quarterback talent that got a better play caller ever since the, the team moved on to Joe Brady. That was a that's a, that's a really big win. That you have to consider those factors into considering that win as well. And I mean, Jalen Hurts was non-existent in the first half. He did not play like a quarterback in the first half at all. I mean, let's just be honest. I think what what was this? It was two for eleven for nineteen yards, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that sounds right. I have the stat book in front of me here. I can go to the first half. I but... mean, that's that's two quarters of your quarterback's play right there, Ed. I mean, that that's you no. can't win with football that way. So the fact that he was able to turn on that 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 bell in the second half. I mean, I think the huge part of it is I don't know if you agree with this either because, you know, I get I got mixed reviews on this when I met when I made this take. Uh, I think they need to lean on DeAndre Swift more. I I understand his track record with the, Detroit and you know how his injuries have been occurred. I know the Eagles are playing it safe on him based on the past, but I think playing with that fear is just hindering your offense. I he's proven up to this point. He's gonna he's healthy. He's good to go. I would, um, you know, loosen up the reins on DeAndre Swift a little bit and make him a pivotal part of your offense, especially with Dallas Goddard saw uh, shelved for these. Uh, you know, he might be back against the 49ers. I doubt it. It's looking like the Cowboys game. We will see him again. But, I mean, to you see how much easier the offense gets when DeAndre Swift plays a pivotal role. That second half, he was breaking off huge runs and really waking up this rushing attack, and then they were able to do play action. They were able to start getting things in rhythm. He's It really is their tone setter, and I really think they should utilize him more in the first half because you look what happens when you don't. Yeah, a couple things. Just clear up the Hurts numbers. He was 4 for 11 for 33 yards in the, sec, uh, sorry, the first half. Um, the tight end situation, you know, Jack Stoll had one catch, one target, and that was it for the tight ends. Albert O, who we thought might be a factor, hasn't done anything. You know, they haven't, you know, Julio Jones, who we thought maybe he would see an increase in catches. He he hasn't done anything. So really the, the Eagles offense is kind of playing with one hand tied behind its back here. Uh, but the hand that they do have out with Devontae Smith and AJ Brown, I mean, Brown's numbers are, you know, not what they were when he had that six-game stretch of 125-plus more yards receiving. Clearly, he's, you know, they're paying more attention to him. And with Goddard out, <clears throat> it's the smart play. But Devontae Smith is, you know, he's a 1A receiver, if not a 1 receiver. He's a 1 receiver uh, for a lot of teams. And, you know, he had a 100-yard game yesterday. It was his first 100-yard game since week two, only his second 100-yard game of the season. But, you know, he's he showed up. Big time, you know, with some of those catches he made, especially in overtime. Um, so and then, you know, thirdly, the swift stuff. I mean, whatever the Eagles are doing to start games isn't working and it's passing the ball. We saw it yesterday. Three straight throwaways. OK, they didn't run the ball once. They just threw it away. You're coming out there with Lane Johnson not being available. You're starting Jack Driscoll and now you're going to pass the ball three straight times. This is the third time in the last four games the Eagles have started a game with a three and out. I mean, so whatever they're doing is not working. So you're right. You have to get Swift involved early, often. But the Eagles seem to be a team that likes to pass the ball to set up the run. uh, And it hasn't worked these last couple of weeks. And if you're looking for an adjustment, I'd start right there. Get Swift involved early. Give him the ball in the first snap of the game. See what he can do with it or on second down, run him. Um, it, it, you know, to just give him the ball, what did he have it in the first half? Three, three carries for seven yards. 
in the yes. first half. He he finished the game with, uh, let's see here, 14 carries for 80 yards. So, you know, do the math there. He carried it, uh, you know, 11 times in the second half for uh, 73 yards. I mean, why aren't we doing that more in the first half? Uh, that's a question that Brian Johnson will probably be asked on Tuesday at the coordinator's press conference because I want to know the answer. You're, you're right. Swift needs to get involved more early. Two things there is Devontae Smith. I don't think anybody really realizes when Eagles fans and Eagles writers and anybody that covers the team talks about how great he is, understands that his catch rate he is for his size is not normal. Like That's not that's not. Wide receivers that size can't do that. Like they, they really can't. That touchdown catch, Ed, I I, I would like to see the vertical on that. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was That's insane. A great point. That's a great point. I wrote that down when I was watching the game. It's like, you know, he, he was up there. And I've said this about Devontae before, is he has this ability to kind of get up in the air and like Michael Jordan just kind of hang there or float there for like, you know, a second longer than anybody else can stay there. And that's why he's so good at contested catches. But this play, he was three guys were right around him. And you're right, his vertical, you know, I'd like to pause it and get out like a tape measure and see how high he is off the ground. Because And he makes it look easy. He's like an acrobat playing receiver. It's just incredible to watch and it's fun to watch. That all 22 angle doesn't do it any justice either because you're looking at it from the quarterback standpoint. So you can't really see how much of the ground it's just it's just yeah. an ugly view. I can't tell. But yeah. when I watched it live on the game, it looked so much better because you could see from you know the fans' point of view from the stands when you're watching the game. And I'm like, man, he's he's so far off the ground right now and yeah. snagging that with one hand with no problem at all. It's that that's not normal. Like that's a generational talent. It really is. You can't it, do that. It really is. He he is he's fun to watch. I mean, and just when you see him mic'd up, you know, when you hear these mic'd up clips, he's funny. You know, like he's talking about going out to recover that onside kick. You know, I got to go out on the hands team now. You know, in that southern accent of his, I mean, he's just a funny guy, and he's just a shy kid. He doesn't give long answers when you talk to him. And uh, but man, he he really is a fun watch on Sunday or Monday or Thursday whenever the Eagles play. I know Marvin Harrison's son is in this upcoming draft, but the closest thing that we've seen in the NFL for Marvin Harris is Devontae Smith. I'm going to be honest with you. It, yeah. That sounds very bold to say that, but no, but no, again, Marvin Harrison was around the similar build as Devontae Smith, and he was making these crazy acrobatic catches and doing things that Devontae's doing. Nobody has done it since. I promise you guys. Look, at it, it's, it's insane. We really have to take that. You can't take that for granted at all. I hope that I know Landon Dickerson. I feel like getting an offensive lineman extension done first is the easiest thing to do, but uh, I really look forward to hearing that news this offseason that Howie Roseman agrees with an extension with Devontae Smith because it's coming, and they're going to make sure they keep him. There's no doubt in my mind. There's no oh, doubt yeah. in my mind. I mean, they, they really have to. I mean, to see what this, you know, and, you know, Hurts being 25 and, you know, Smith being 20, whatever he is, 24, 20, I guess he's 25 also, but – you know, this is a young group, and even A.J. Brown's only 26 or 7 years old. I mean, this is a young core that can stay together for a few years here and give the Eagles a chance to win Super Bowls for the next couple of seasons. And, you know, Devontae Smith's a big big part of that, no doubt. I mean, just like I said, just a really fun uh, athlete to watch play the game. It's going to be hard to garner DeAndre Swift's extension if they continue to use him the way that they do because they kind of use him like a spell player. So how do you give a, a contract extension to a spell player? How does that work out? Or how does he view himself? Because clearly he's the guy has it. 
He clearly knows what he's doing. He's, I mean, honestly, everybody sees it now. I had to be awakened to it, you know, with him being on the Eagles, but he's better than what Miles Sanders was with them, but just not getting the opportunities. That's the problem. Yeah. And it's health. You know, he's been able to stay healthy. You know, he's been able to stay away from the injuries that nagged him the last couple of seasons. And, you know, you always wonder, okay, is that because he's playing for a contract or is he legitimately, you know, uh, staying healthy and playing through nicks and, and, and bumps and bruises because he's playing for a contract, whatever it is, uh, the Eagles are going to have a tough decision to make on him because, you know, Kenny Gainwell, I'm not sure you want him to be your every down back, and he's still under contract next year. Um, you know, obviously they're going to have to do something with Swift, and if they let him go, then you're going to have to go into the draft or free agency to find somebody else to to join him or to well, join uh, any game well. We'll worry about that in a couple of months. Cause right, 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 right. That doesn't right. sound good yeah, to worry yeah. about now. Let me, but to, let, me, let, me ask, let me ask you a question quick. Uh, yeah. You know, I write this little piece, like 10 thoughts – uh, from the game and and uh, I always use like a turning point and it's always so there's so many different things that happen through the course of the game it's sometimes hard to identify one thing and put it above all others but what do you think was the turning point uh, in this game that James Bradbury interception was really key yeah because those things really hype up the team I'm not gonna lie when they make turnovers like that you see how everybody bounces on that sideline and the momentum shifts that that to me, signaled to the team that this defense wasn't going to give up. Like, you know, we had to really accustom, be get accustomed to the bend but don't break mentality under Jim Schwartz, and it worked. No matter how much you hated it, no matter how much you frustrated with it, 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 it that was the reason why they won their first Super Bowl in franchise history. Without mm-hmm. Jim Schwartz, it doesn't happen. So this defense this year is really embracing that mentality, I think. Because the secondary is just not – I don't think they're ever going to get it together, guys. I hate to say it. I know they played well against the Bills – in terms of stats, but there was a lot of missed opportunities there on the Bills side that if they are taking advantage of, we'll get, and the same thing against the Chiefs, if those opportunities aren't missed opportunities, then this those stats don't look as good as they did. Yeah. So I don't think the secondary is ever going to really get it, get it, Ed. I don't think they are. I just think they're at the point where they live every down and they die every down. So yeah, I think that was the turning point just because yeah. when you give that defense that momentum – Hey, we'll bend, but we're not going to break. We're going to make those plays at the end of the day. I really do think that was the turning point. I do really think that's when the offense really woke up and said, you know, this defense is playing so hard. They're giving us every chance. We need to finally get together. Uh, I'm interested to hear what your answer is, though. Yeah, that that was definitely on my list because then you look at it and it sets up the Eagles and they almost, you know, messed that up. I mean, two bad plays, a penalty, and now it's third and 15 and you're thinking, oh, a field goal, they're going to tie it. And then just probably one of the best throws, you know, I mean, Hertz has made a lot of really nice throws, great throws this year, but that throw to Alameda Zacchaeus in the back of the end zone where Hertz had to roll to his left and, you know, keep the play alive and it's pouring rain and it's windy and it's cold. And he fires a pass where only Zacchaeus can go up and get it with two guys around him. And then Zacchaeus takes this pop by, I think it was Poyer, just delivers this hit. And Zagis is able to come down and hold on to the football. But uh, that was the play that came after the interception from Bradbury. So, yeah, that's certainly on my list. Another one I would probably put on there, Connor, is I think DeAndre Swift, that 36-yard run he had in the third quarter was huge, a huge spark. And we saw him do that against the Chiefs last week. He had the the big third-quarter run that set up a touchdown. And sure enough, this drive kind of got the Eagles going. They're down 17-7. They come out. 
They get the ball to start the third quarter and they go three and out and the crowd is booing, booing like crazy. And, you know, the the Eagles hold the Bills without any points and then they get the ball back and the first play, bam, there goes Swift for 36 yards. And then the Eagles get into rhythm. Uh, they get the uh, touchdown pass to, I, I guess it was Smith to tie or Brent. Uh, who, who's who's I guess it was Brown, a three yard catcher yeah. Brown first touchdown. So, I mean, that was to me could be looked at as a turning point as well. Just that that run by Swift that got them going, but certainly Bradbury deserves credit. That was a great INT, it was you know, kind of a bracket trap type coverage. Uh, and Josh Allen never saw him. And to Bradbury's credit, he broke hard on that football to make that play and he caught it. And I talked to him after the game and He's like, you know, I just read what they were going to do. I anticipated. And he goes, and then I had to catch it. He goes, I figured, you know, I made this play. <laughs> I better catch the ball. And he did. And it was a tough catch. Uh, so that that probably will get the nod. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm still kind of maybe I'll flip a coin and, and see which turning point I go with there. But they're both certainly worthy. See, the problem with the beauty, the ugliness of not Using Swift like that, and then the beauty of it is defenses don't account for him at that point in the game because well, nobody thought that nobody saw no, no nobody on their defense saw it coming, and nobody mm-hmm. on the Chiefs defense saw it coming either. And the that's point. that's the beauty. I mean, so here's my counterpoint to that though is just to end the Swift talk real quick because I think we're all tired of talking about this too because it doesn't seem like it's going to change. But the 49ers aren't going to see that coming. <laughs> if you, you start the game off just pounding out with Swift and then allowing him to open up the game for you and set the tone, they're not going to see that coming. Uh, this is the perfect week, especially if Lane can't go again. This is the perfect week to add that new wrinkle to your offense to throw off a su- really superior opponent too. I mean, this team is a very – the 49ers team is a very good team. You're playing against – this is the gauntlet. I know everybody was saying, you know, when is the gauntlet going to start because the Eagles are winning this game. No, they're playing it still. They're they're playing the best football teams they could possibly play on their schedule right now, and the the 49ers are being no different. This is the team they're probably going to play in the NFC Championship game if even if they beat them. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't think I don't see them losing the second seed, and if they get the second seed, I don't see any really anybody really beating them as well other than the Eagles. So take this game very seriously. Add a new wrinkle to it. Catch them off guard. Catch Steve Wilkes, a, a veteran defensive coordinator in this league, off guard. Throw Swift in there early. That's what I would do. But again. That's why you're able to break off those huge swift runs is because the defenses at those point in the games don't see it coming. Right, right. That's true. Uh, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's the Eagles, uh, the way they do business. They like to set up the the run with the pass. And uh, oh, we're, know, just, right we're just about talking about Brian Johnson yeah, being an SEC, court, SEC guy. But he played in whatever the conference Utah plays in. I don't know. the pack. Well, we talk. So we talked about that all fair. So let me, let's go into that right now, because that's because I would bring that. I don't know if I don't know how you would word this to him, because I know you guys have to word questions a little bit. I, I know I, I see all these fans on Twitter always say to you guys, why aren't you asking this? Why aren't you asking that? I know you guys have to word things in a certain way to us. To a certain T, correct? I mean, you can't just say something off the top of your head. You have to make sure you word it properly or you're not going to get a team to five response or they're not really going to want you to ask that. I would imagine. You, know, you got to be respectful in your questions. You just can't come out, you know, and, and be, you know, like uber aggressive and, you know, you don't want to have them shut it down or, you know, him just say, you know. I can't think you could say to Brian Johnson or how you would be able to perform this well as. Brian, we know you come from the SEC. Is your because I know you're right. He he's from Utah. He played quarterback at Utah. He he had a whole different system there than he did at at, at Florida. But as a play caller at Florida, 
in the SEC, I don't know how you really formed this question to him, but we understand that you have to go pass for pass majority there because it was a high scoring conference and you had to always had match the firepower that you're playing against. So I could see there with Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and and all these other guys that you were so quick with throwing the ball there with the weapons that you had. And maybe is it is that translating to what you're doing in the NFL? Because at some point you're gonna have to learn balance. I don't know how you really form that question to him though, because I know you're gonna ask him, "Hey man, you know what's up with not running the ball in the first half?" And I think you're gonna get a you know a former you know the answer he always gives. Well, the you know these RPOs set up the, these these quick passes set up the run and all that. Right. That jazz, but to me, it just seems like an SEC play caller trying to figure out his his flow in the NFL, and we have to give it time because it's a beautiful thing. We see it in the second half. Once it get, once it gets the flow down, it's perfectly done. I mean, the play calls go smoothly. The plays are executed to full success. We love it. We cheer it on. But in the first half, we're like, man, they're just getting destroyed. They're not they're just shut out. They're, the offense is getting no production uh, mm-hmm. as of late. And to me, it's just because you know, like you're saying, the pass. And that's what these these guys are known for in the SEC is to always starting off with the pass. So I wonder if that's what's sprinkling into what he's doing now. Well, here, here's the thing, too, about the play calling. Nick Sirianni has a really big hand in, you know, the plays that are being called. You know, they sit down and they talk about it and they script it. And, you know, they go through situations where, OK, if we're in this situation, what are we going to call if we're in that situation? You know what I mean? Like Sirianni does have a big hand and he's got the headset on too a lot of times. And and he's talking to Brian Johnson a lot, I'm sure about, you know, they're bouncing ideas off each other and then they're making the quick decision and then they're bringing it in to Jalen Hurts. You know, it's Johnson who probably, you know, has the last say on it, but, you know, Sirianni's got a big heavy input on this too. Uh, it's not just Brian Johnson's play calling, you know, and, and nobody else has a hand in it, but you know, you'd like to see them go a little bit more, you know, with the run. And Brian Johnson, it seems like everybody's giving him a hard time, you know, fire him, fire him. And yet he's getting a lot of love for some of these coaching openings that that are happening. I saw, you know, the obviously the Panthers fired Frank Reich today and they're looking for a head coach. And Brian Johnson, I saw some odds. He's like the nine to one favorite. He's not the favorite. I think the, the five to one favorite, I can't remember who it is, but Maybe Ben Johnson, I think, the OC in Detroit. Yeah, it's Ben Johnson, yeah. Yeah, but but Nick uh, Brian Johnson is right there as someone that could get a head coaching job in, in the league. And look at Shane Steichen's done with the Colts. He's got them, you know, in the playoffs right now if the season ended with Gardner Minshew as his starting quarterback. Uh, just kudos to Shane Steichen. So other teams see that and they're like, you know, Steichen was in Philly. And they went to the Super Bowl. And now here's Brian Johnson, who inherits this team. And he's got this team, you know, 10 and 1. And they said on the telecast, no team has started 10 and 1 after losing the Super Bowl the year before uh, since the Buffalo Bills. Bills. The 1991. So, you know, there's a lot of things that you can like about Brian Johnson, but we're so close to it sometimes. We don't see the proverbial tree from the forest. You know, we just, you know, we the forest from the trees, whatever the saying is because we're too close to it. So there's things to like about Brian Johnson. And again, he's not the one that's solely responsible for calling the plays. I mean, Sirianni has a big hand in that all week. They talk about the game plan and Jeff Stoutland's involved in it. He's the run game coordinator. You know, let's see Jeff Stoutland maybe come into the pick picture here and say, Hey, let's run the ball. Let my guys get going downhill early on. 
uh, you know, maybe he needs to speak up a little bit more in meetings. I don't know what goes on in these meetings, but, you know, clearly they need a di- different direction to start a game because three or, you know, three, three and outs in the last four games, that's just not going to cut it. So do you, do you have your question planned of what you're going to ask him? <laughs> not really. Uh, you know, I, Actually, I, I mean, I, he's going to get bombarded with those questions. So I'm sure you're going to have to think of it on the fly because, if somebody yeah. picked before you, they're going to ask something like that. And you're like, all right, I got to word it a little bit differently, but yeah, it's, it's uh and it's a free for all in these things. You know, it's uh it's, you know, everybody wants to get a question. in. so, you like, know, we'll I'm, see happy. How it goes. Look, uh, I'm but... happy they're 10 and one. You're happy they're 10 and one. It's incredibly impressive. Like we just said, the 1991 bills are last to do that after losing the Super Bowl. It's not, it's unheard of. That Super Bowl hangover is a real thing and it hurts a lot of teams and a lot of their cultures. And, you're right. That's what people are going to consider. I mean, that's what the owners are going to consider when they look into Brian Johnson is look at the culture over there in Philly that Nick Sirianni's yeah. established. We want that. He's clearly coaching that into his guys. Can look what St. Sison's doing and hate to say it, but the Cardinals are a competitive team this year, no matter what. They, you, you haven't really watched one of their games and think, wow, this team just stinks. Like they have really no guys over there and they're, they're right. winning. They're, I mean, that's not right. winning, but they're in these games at least. So they're yeah. going to look at these guys and think, this pedigree that they have, the cultures that these guys have, it's impressive. I like it. Let's go ahead and talk to Brian Johnson now and see what he can bring in. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets hired either. I'm looking for yeah. a new offensive coordinator again. Yeah. But right. I think the funniest thing is the the a lot of gripes I see with Brian Johnson, the wide receiver screens. And I'm like, you know, you guys had the same problem with Shane. <laughs> you know, the wide receiver screens are part of their game because they have these wide receivers that are so explosive when getting the yards after catch opportunities. I understand it. And to be honest with you, Julio is just at the receiving end of Dallas Goddard's injury right now. Because if it wasn't Julio getting those catches, it was Goddard. Because Goddard's great on the screens. Yeah. So, you know, I understand being like, why are we doing Julio's wide receiver screens? I, I get baffled by it too. But at the same time, I'm like, he's filling in for Goddard. Those are Goddard screens. Those aren't for Julio. And they, when they work, we love them to death. So my problem yeah. is I just make it easier on yourself and use the run. That's the all. That's all I'm saying. I have no other gripes other than that. I'd like to see him throw the ball to Stole more. I mean, he had a nice catch and run yesterday. I mean, I thought he was Goddard. I was like, he's got her back. He looked, I thought he was going to score his first NFL touchdown. You know, I thought, man, it's hard. Why not run a screen to him? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, they don't seem like they trust him. And really, clearly, this offense without Goddard is completely different. I mean, one target for a tight end, Albert O didn't get any. Stole it and get it. You know, he got one. No, it's a guy who they called up or they elevated from the practice squad. He didn't, he played like seven or eight snaps. He didn't get anything. Um, you know, wh- why not? Let, let's, let's see it. Let's, let's do something a little different against the 49ers um, on Sunday. They're going to have to. They're going to, the yeah. 49ers are going to come in here and trying to win this game. They, they're going to, there's going to be a lot of passion on that side of the football. Yeah. It's going to be a tough game. And, you know, they only got yeah. better with this Chris, um, I'm not thinking of Chris Young. Uh, uh, Chase Young. Chase, Chase Young. Young. Yeah, Chris Young's player. a baseball player. I'm, I messed that up bad. But yeah, Chase Young, that acquisition that they've had so far on that defensive line is just paying dividends for them. It's Randy Gregory, too, as well. You yeah. can't forget that. That game's going to be very tough. And we'll talk about that later in the week, of course. But yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, listen, Sean Desai should not get a pass here either. He's going to be one of the coordinators, obviously, talking on Tuesday. And this pass defense, I, I look. He, he does a great job of adjusting and making these, uh, you know, putting different guys in. Losing Zach Cunningham, he throws Christian Ellis in there, who 
did some okay things. He, he wasn't as good as probably Nick Sirianni led you to believe in his post-game press conference yesterday. Um, but, you know, you lose him, you lose Fletcher Cox, you're already without Milton Williams. But this pass defense, and you hope it can continue to get better. But, I mean, and listen, Josh Allen played like an MVP. But you can't give up, what, 339 yards through the air, 505 yards of total offense to the Bills. Uh, now, Brock Purdy's not half the quarterback, in my opinion, as Josh Allen. So it might be a little bit better in terms of passing yards this week. But they're, they were 28th in the game or in the league coming into that game. And they're not going to improve on that any when the stats come out after the Monday night game. If anything, they're going to go down lower in the 29th or 30th, I would think. And that is a real sore spot for them. And they need to find a way to clean that up. Uh, because, you know, other teams, they, they know that, and a lot of it is the tight end. I think Kevin Bayard does a nice job covering some of the tight ends. but Improvement, for sure. Still, yeah, and it's an improvement, but they still need to do a better job covering the, the center of the field, and that's where they get hurt a lot is in the middle of the field. So that Sean Desai needs to find a way to clean that all up, and it's tough. You don't know if Cunningham's going to play. Yeah, they don't yeah. have the guys. That's That's what but, it is. Yeah, they don't have the guy. I mean, you know, are you going to get Shaq Leonard in here? I mean, he went to Dallas today. Yeah, I mean, it's you're really kind of like you said, you're living and dying on every play. You know, you're you're just fighting hard every play and going to the next play and keep fighting. Sometimes you die, sometimes you live. But it's a real sore spot for them is this pass defense. That touchdown to Christian, excuse me, to Gabe Davis, uh, could yeah. have easily been stopped if Zach Cunningham was in there because Christian Ellis completely blew that assignment and tried to. It looked like he was looking. He was thinking about blitzing. I don't know what he did, but he <laughs> right. He kind of ran it up to the yeah, line. Yeah, he didn't know what he was doing. Yeah, I don't think he did. I don't. Yeah, and, and as Zach know. Cunningham drops back into his normal coverage there, that and it, Josh Allen throws that ball. It's picked. Yeah, if Zach Cunningham's in there, so um, that. I know Nick Sirianni, he, I mean, you gotta have, you have to say positive things about the guys that are coming in unexpectedly. You have to, but that's going to be a really, really tough loss. If Zach Cunningham can't go against the 49ers because Christian is not ready for the 49ers offense. And, you know, for so much praise for AJ Brown that we've had, Brandon Ayuk's having an incredible season as a wide receiver as well. So you're right. This, uh, it's not going to be easy. This is going to be a very, very tough game, but this is, I think this is a must win for the Eagles. I, you know, it's crazy because they're 10 and one. They can have definitely afford to lose, but I, the 49ers are coming into your house. They disrespected you the whole entire offseason, saying all this jibber jabber like Hassan Reddick is alluding to. And he set the tone, let them know we won that game for a reason. You know, it's not our fault that you put a tight end on Hassan Reddick one on one. You know, that's not that's not our problem. That's that's a you problem. Like, right. So I, we're going to go ahead and show you what happens if Brock Purdy is still in there. And, we're going to remind you guys who's the top dog in the NFC is, and we're going to remind the rest of the world too as well because you keep disrespecting us, uh, but we keep finding ways to win no matter what. Yep. That's going to uh, do it for us, man. Yep. Or go ahead. No, I that, that's fine. Yeah, we can get more into the Niners talk. You know, I wanted to touch on the Jake or Jake Elliott kick. What, what a kick, man. 59 yards in the wind and the rain. Planning do, you think he's very, do you think he's the best kicker in franchise history? I do. Uh, yeah. yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. No doubt. I absolutely do. Uh, I love David Akers, but he's not making 59 yarders or 61 yarders. I'm sorry. Not in the not rain, him. not in those conditions. I mean, just that was a phenomenal play. I mean, that play to that touchdown hurts to. Zacchaeus was the best play of the game, in my opinion, second best, and maybe the first. You could argue that. 
was the kick, the 59-yarder that sent the game in the overtime. He had no business making that kick. All right, one question for you before we get off, because I think people want to hear this too. I, I know what my answer is, and this is no disrespect to him whatsoever. I'm glad he's back from injury because I really do think defenses have to account for his speed. Do you think Quez Watkins makes that catch? Uh, That's a well, case made. Uh, <laughs> Just wow, you man. I, you know, opinion. listen, I would have to say probably not, uh, but probably not. <laughs> so I, I said no, too, because I want to know why. That was a concentration catch. And Zacchaeus is actually good for that. He really, and not even just from the, with the Eagles. He's because he's only had two touchdowns this year, right? He did this with the Falcons a lot too with these concentration catches because he he had horrible quarterback play. So we always yeah. had to make those you know those jump ball efforts where you're concentrating and bringing it in. So I don't think he would have either. I said the you're same right. thing. I said I don't think he would have caught that. I think Zacchaeus is. I it takes a very very aware wide receiver to catch that pass. I will just say that. It's a good description, a, a concentration catch. Yeah, because that ball was coming through the rain. You're looking up in the rain, and you have to focus on the football and bring it in with two guys right around you, the end, the back line of the end zone right there. Uh, good description, concentration catch. And Quez probably doesn't make it. So get a, get a load of this. You think Justin Tucker is probably one of the best kickers of all time, I imagine, correct? Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I would. And I mean, the accolades speak for itself. He's been all pro for almost every year of his career. So here's the career stats on, and this is from Cody Schwartz. He put this on Twitter. So everybody knows that I got this from him. Not, not for me. He, he tweeted this out at CBS Schwartz. Five. All right. Career stats on 58 plus yard field goals. Justin Tucker, three for 13, 23.1%. Jake wow. Elliott, four for four, 100%. <laughs> yeah uh he's the best kicker in franchise history by far for sure for sure but let's get him 17 more chances from 58 yards and above and see if that percentage still holds true i mean that's tough to do but he's already made more right than tucker right three for 13 he's made, he four. Tucker. Yeah, he's made four and, and one of them was in the yeah. pouring down torrential rain yeah and elliot and i keep well i keep saying jake franklin like tony franklin like i'm, I'm making this like uh that's like me and Fred John. Every time you had the correct one, I say Tom Johnson. It's like it's Fred. Yeah, I know. There's just something about names, and you know Because my friend, I had people uh, reaching out to me saying, like, why the heck are they starting drag Driscoll? Why don't they put Tyler Steen out there? And I'm like, you're 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 bringing up the wrong offensive lineman. If anything, they would have to put out Fred Johnson. I'm really surprised that Fred Johnson hasn't gotten cross trained at right tackle. I don't know what the deal is there. I really don't. Um, but, I don't either because you gave him a two-year contract extension. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, you're supposed to be versatile. You're supposed to play more than one position in the NFL, right? I mean, they tried it with Dillard. I think this is – yeah, this is Driscoll's last year of his contract, too, so you would imagine. Yeah. To get him to get some right tackles. That's right. Yeah. I mean, unless, you know, they're going to train Steen there, but Steen's a guard. But is there any openings at the guard spot? I mean, you think next year if Kelsey retires. But listen, Jason Kelsey's playing fantastic. I mean, say what you want about those two false starts, and I asked about him. I asked that to him in the locker room yesterday is, you know, kind of after everybody went away and, you know, he just said, listen, you know, they're in the two minute, they're doing a lot of blitzing. I'm trying to pick up for, you know, protections. And, you know, he goes, I love the home crowd, but it is loud. It's hard to hear. You're trying to communicate. And he goes, sometimes you overlook this, the cadence of the snap or there's a delay and you, you know, you're so 
tuned in with everything else going on that you, you sometimes miss that and you overlook it and you shouldn't. He said, not good, but he's still playing great, man. That, that block he made on the Jalen Hurts touchdown run in overtime, I mean, just wiped out somebody on the edge there. Um, you know, he had another block. You know, the nickel corner. Then they brought the nickel corner on the blitz, and yeah, 100% yeah. would have got hurts. 100% would have tackled him there if it wasn't for that block. Yeah, I mean, he can still play. It's a question of whether he wants to, whether he wants to put his body through it. Uh, but he's you going know, out on top. He's going out he, on top. He, yeah, probably. So you know, look, Steen would be your right guard. Jurgens slides into center, uh, and then you got to figure out your reserve tackles, and they better start maybe cross training Fred Johnson to do that. I don't, I don't know why they don't. I mean, the guy's big as a house. He, have you ever seen Fred Johnson? He's, I have. I keep he's, calling he's, him Tom Johnson. Cause I knew who yeah. he was. Cause I saw that contract extension. I'm like, Oh, they're going to use this guy, but yeah. that's Tom what my Johnson guy's pretty good. Huh? That's what, well, that's what they, that's what they were. But I had friends reaching out to me and they're, they're like, why didn't we trade for a backup tackle? Why would we get Alberto when we, we need more tackle death? And I'm like, because they have a guy. His name's Tom Johnson, and I'm. It's not Tom Johnson. It's Fred. But that's <laughs> yeah, why I said too. I'm like, oh, I, he's as big as Milada. I mean, seriously, that guy's huge. I mean, him and Milada look like the same size to me. So I don't know. Well, you, you know, I see something in him too. But this is crazy yeah, yeah. that our our podcast about the Eagles went over overtime bills going into their backup left tackle discussion that nobody really knows that they have. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll do, we'll do it again later in the week, hopefully, and uh, preview the, uh, the big NFC championship rematch against the San Francisco 49ers. Got to beat them, man. I don't want to hear from their fans. I don't want to hear from that crappy Fran- San Francisco radio station. I don't want to hear from their fans. I don't want to hear from the announcers who think that we got that game handed to us last year just because of Kyle Shanahan's fault coming up short in big games like he always does, in my opinion. But that's another conversation for another day. Yeah, I smell dinner, man. My dinner's cooking away. Yeah, go ahead and eat dinner. Yeah, We're going to yeah. get this pot out there. Thank you guys All so right. much for tuning in. We'll see you Thanks. guys very soon. Yep. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.